You're listening to The Report Card. The Report Card podcast is a commentary show about contemporary American politics and international affairs with your hosts, Scott Dworkin and Grant Stern, where they grade what they're seeing in the news each week. Invite activists, elected officials, and newsmakers to chat and to take your questions, too. You're listening to The Report Card. And I'm your host, Grant Stern. And I'm Scott Dworkin. How are you doing, brother? Having a good trip. Good time. Nice to get some rest and relaxation. One of our first podcast episodes ever on the Dworkin Report podcast was with Michael Rappaport. And there's nothing better than getting, uh, you know, yelled at by him. It was such a wonderful <laughs> feeling. We had audio issues that it was a great learning experience because I had it like eight times. The first time that we did an interview with him, I did not hit record. So uh, it, it wasn't that long of an interview, and I did notice only 10 minutes in. But uh, he's like, what, the, what, what is this? What, uh, anyways, so we've had audio issues before. Grant always fixes them. Um, so, you know. Hence, hence a short delay, but uh, I think we're all good. Keep in mind that if you tweet out the episode and send us the link of that, or I'll, I'll see it anyways, but if you tweet out the link of the episode right now, then we'll retweet that and something else. We'll share your post uh, of something else from today or commentary that we noticed uh, as, as long as it's appropriate. Um, some people want me to share inappropriate things, but uh, that's why they call me Grandpa. So, uh, Grant... Let me just say, you know, one of your tweets went viral, I think, God, it seems like a year ago. One of your tweets went viral for talking about pardons. Who are who who asked for the pardons? Who asked for the pardons? So we well, it's have... just that multiple congressmen went and asked for pardons. That's that was a really big bombshell from the first hearings. And today the the bomb went off. Right. You know, and, and so what do you think about these? What's the problem here? I know that Norm Eisen, our friend uh, of the show, like he mentioned that he, you know, they broke the law because they were expecting a pardon in exchange for something they did, and so that is essentially a bribe. Like, what what do you think about this? How important is this crime? How damning is it? Oh, this is the big one. I mean, think about it. You know, there have been these court rulings and court cases about the Fourteenth Amendment. Uh, you know, basically the 14th Amendment, Section 3, prohibits uh, anyone from holding office if they aided an insurrection while they were in office, right, or rebellion. And uh, some of the judges have said, well, hey, you know, the judges shouldn't even be deciding this at all. Congress should decide this, and they should decide it when someone tries to present their credentials for being seated, So just think about that. These people all made some sort of admission that they thought their involvement in the plots behind January 6th was criminal. Except, I mean, Gates, uh, we think, was just a uh, general, you know, he's a criminal kind of pardon request. You don't really know that that was January 6th. He He wanted wanted a a magical pardon. pardon. Everything I've ever done before, give me a big pardon. He wanted Trump's ultimate pardon. (laughs) Remember, he was Trump's ultimate defender it was the best it was the yeah. best ever um you know do, do you remember he, he so I, I i you know we used to investigate trump and all his allies at a constant more than probably anybody uh and one of the things that we 
had had done is is we uncovered the fact that he was at a, I think this was New Year's of this year. He was at um, Trump Palace or whatever you would call it. Oh no, that's the failed bankrupt casino. Uh, what the, his uh, Mar-a-Lago uh, resort there? He actually had uh, no mask on, and I called him out for it. And you know he he went ahead and replied to that, and obviously stepped in the mud because of it, and got in some trouble for his response because it is, I would say it, it's indicative of of what we're dealing with right now. Um, so I, I basically said anybody who attended the maskless party at Mar-a-Lago, Jan, this is January first, twenty twenty-one, um, should be banned from Congress going in person, um, and he said. I've already been banned from New Jersey, and now they want to ban me from Congress. Sheesh, I'm a Florida man. This is Trump DeSantis Gates country. It will never be illegal to have fun in the Sunshine State, says the dude who's under federal investigation from multiple angles now. It will um, never be illegal to have fun in the Sunshine State. The infamous Famous words. last words. <laughs> Jeez. He, I mean, he's never liked us because we always bring up his legal trouble from the past. And that's fair game because he had a lot of it. He got off of a lot uh, of different p- potential crimes, um, you know, or no, sorry, crimes that he committed. And, uh, you know, that he also admitted that he was guilty of. So I I don't I don't really know where that's going to go, but I think that it's uh, troublesome to say the least. Um, you know I, I I'm not sure. What do you think? Do you think that uh, there's going to be members of Congress arrested due to this? Um, you know it's a good question. I think that certainly uh, whatever the FBI is doing now with the big investigation into the scheme to present. Uh, you know, false or forged election certificates. I think that this is going to factor greatly into it because remember, you need probable cause that a crime was committed to get a search warrant, for example. Well, if somebody's asking for a pardon, that seems to me like probable cause that they've committed some sort of crime, right? I mean, don't you think that, you know, emailing the white house and saying i think i i crimed a little bit is kind of like probable cause subject Somewhere. line pardons literally the subject line was pardon speaking of <laughs> speaking oh yeah of no subpoenas. wait a second uh, i mean who needs a subpoena when you've got mo brooks <laughs> he's rambling he's pissed off you know trump oh no no, no 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 wait maybe you haven't seen this because it uh it, it just came in but uh, Mo Brooks just texted this document to CBS News, writes Robert Costa. Okay. And I'm going to tweet it so everybody can see it um, because, you know, you can't see it on our podcast, right? Um, so, of course, you know, if you go over to Twitter, um, so I, I'm just going to tweet it right now. And uh, the caption that I'm tweeting it with, because I'm going to quote tweet Robert Costa, is ha 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 with uh, eight popcorn emojis. So that's the one that you should read. And it, it's it's an email, it's a printout of, of an email that Mo Brooks just texted to, to them. And it reads, Molly, this is January 11th, 2021 at 11.46 a.m. Molly is uh, Molly A. Michael, uh, and her email is at who.eop.gov. 
That's the White House at the executive office of the president. Molly A. Michael is one of the presidential aides. Dear Molly, President Trump asked me to send you this letter. Trump asked him to send the letter. <laughs> Let's just start with that. <laughs> this letter is also pursuant to a request from Matt Gates. <laughs> it is clear that deep-pocketed and vitriolic de- socialist Democrats, with perhaps some liberal Republican help, are going to abuse America's judicial system by targeting numerous Republicans with sham charges deriving from our recent fight for honest and accurate elections and speeches related thereto. Do I need to go on? <laughs> there is that one line right after that. I recommend that president give general and then in parentheses all, all purpose, purpose pardons. All purpose. This, I, what, what is that a thing? Is that a thing? Can you actually get all purpose? Like I don't, I don't understand. I think you do have the latitude to do whatever you want, except for violent crimes. I don't know. Uh, all purpose pardon. I mean, it sounds to me like some sort of cleaning agent or something, you know, like, like Mr. Clean, like, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's super weird. You don't do this unless you're a really big criminal, right? I mean, how big a criminal do you have to be to say, I need an all purpose pardon. Right. 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 Uh, to the following groups of people, every Republican who signed the amicus brief in the Texas lawsuit and other states deriving from their violation of Article 1, Section 4. Now, just think about what he's saying here. Uh, the amicus brief in the Texas lawsuit, the Texas bar is looking to disbar the Attorney General of Texas for filing that lawsuit. Right. Uh, every congressman and senator who voted to reject the Electoral College vote submissions of Arizona and Pennsylvania. Well, gee, why would you need a pardon for that? I mean... Unless you thought it was being done corruptly, because um, there's this thing called the speech and debate clause, and it's there specifically to prevent other branches of government from doing things to members of Congress over the way they vote. Okay, this is really important to consider. The reason that it was put there is specifically to avoid letting people influence members of Congress by punishing them for their votes. So the speech and debate clause is like a stronger uh, protection for speech and debate than the First Amendment. Um, So it's kind of hard to imagine why you'd need that. Uh, And then, you know, I mean, the whole thing is just a big arrocomango, okay? (laughs) But, I mean, (laughs) arrocomango is this Cuban-American Spanish saying that just means uh, mangoes and rice. You know, it just means a big mess. And certainly this, this letter is a big mess. Well, they, uh, they talk a lot about Trump DOJ official Jeffrey Clark today, um, VSTNN. Clark is the former DOJ lawyer who former president – oh, what's his name? I, I actually don't want to call him that, but we'll just call him Trump. Sought to install as attorney general in days before the January 6th Capitol riot as top officials refused to go along, supposedly, with his uh, vote fraud claims. Um, so he, they, they raided his house, and that's the first part that I want to mention to you. Second part is FBI agents served a search warrant yesterday on Nevada's top GOP official. Um, agents seized the cell phone of state Republican chairman Michael McDonald as a part of an investigation into the fake elector scheme initiated at the end of the 2020 presidential election. 
and a second search warrant. This is this is the one that I, I, I love to mention. The second search warrant was issued for State Party Secretary James DeGaffron-Reed, who also signed the document of fake electors, but FBI agents could not locate him. So I, I, mm. I think that we may have a Republican on the run right now. Um, this may be a common theme. A lot of these people... So my first question is, what do you what do you think about the fake elector scheme in regards to the the people that are claiming that Trump said they wouldn't use this unless it were viable, unless there was a viable chance? Like they knew they were broke, breaking the law when they signed the document, when they went along with it. Right. Like they knew that it was illegal and they basically were trying to throw a coup. Uh, I mean, some people probably knew how illegal it was. Some didn't. Some were probably uh, living in that wishy-washy fairy tale land where they think anything is legal. Um, but probably quite a few of them, you know, there there were people that refused. Um, that there are people that refused to uh, to go along with it and dropped out and were replaced. So, I mean, I think that tells you a lot that there were people who refused to go along with the the fake elector scheme um, and then, you know, had to be replaced by the Republicans to to carry it out. And so, like, I just want everybody to think about this, because this is kind of like uh, this is what I've been thinking about anyway. Um, Just think about this for a second. Right. So. We learned about the forged election certificates on the Rachel Maddow show, like last year, right? Wasn't it last year that we first heard about that on Maddow? Well, it was definitely last year, but uh, I don't remember when we first heard about it. But I, yeah, she she had documents. She did. I remember her, you know, doing the flip through of them. Yeah, no, this is at the beginning of this year. I'm sorry. So so here's the thing, right? This is in January, and these documents were sent to the National Archives. That basically makes them public record, right? Like when you send something off to the National Archives, um, you know, like they're, that's their job to just hold on to these things and, you know, archive these public records. So um, what was it? The day after that or two days after that, there was such an outcry that Lisa Monaco, the Deputy Attorney General, um, gave a short public statement, not a press conference, but uh, a statement. And it was on January 25th of this year. And uh, basically, like she said, hey, we are looking at this. We are taking this seriously. Um, You know, it's a pretty extraordinary thing. I mean, as CNN broke the exclusive uh lisa monaco said we've received those referrals our prosecutors are looking at those and i can't say anything more about ongoing investigations and here we are so for all of this time how many people have been freaking out that the department of justice is not doing enough when all along it looks like they've been researching they've been investigating the most serious attempt to create a true legal underpinning to overturn the elections. As Glenn Kirshner said, and he spent decades, you know, as a, an investigator, um, federal investigator and prosecutor, that uh, 
he said um, that, you know, this, we would never be privy to most of this evidence. If we may never have seen it at all, we may, may never have seen any of this evidence if January 6th committee was not presenting it because it may be hidden in grand juries. It may be hidden in court for years. Um, and this way, this route of wait and see and DOJ kind of circling wagons and seeing what January 6th committee comes up with then develops into a place where we then know all the evidence, at least, you know, a, a, a large swath of it. So, I mean, it it is, I think that is the, that stuck with me when, when he, when Kirshner said that, that, that kind of stuck with me and it's like, you know, it'd be pretty brilliant for them to kind of be like, you do your thing January 6th committee and then we're, we'll wait and see. Cause now, you know, they're raiding houses and taking cell phones and, um, it seems like, you know, things are starting to happen because they're kind of like, all right, all right, January 6th committee, we're going to have to start to take action. And that's going to, I think, make people clam up, right? Like people are going to start to be a little bit quiet. You have Senator Ron Johnson as part of this fake electors scheme. It came out that uh, on Tuesday that the uh, January, January 6th, he tried to deliver fake electors. Um, the, the in the messages, his advisor told uh, Hodgson, who was the Pence aide, that he wanted to present Pence with a list of fake electors who were prepared to ignore Biden's win and instead vote for Trump. It was a, a, a request that was dismissed. And then he, I guess, when Johnson was walking out of the Capitol, he was asked about it. He pretended to be on his phone, and he actually wasn't on the no. phone with anybody. And so this was very cute of, of him. Do you think that uh, Ron Johnson's in, in trouble? Because, I mean, or, or his chief of staff, who was the one who sent the messages to the aide for Mike Pence, like, are they in legal trouble? Uh, I don't know what kind of legal trouble they're in, but there's certainly a lot of political trouble. He's up for re-election this year. Hey, I'll tell you what, uh, Ron Johnson has a horrendous track record. I mean, do you want to vote for someone? who's in league with a bunch of Russian agents and then uh, during the middle of a coup plot decided to act like a courier service for the coup plotters. Um, in Wisconsin, the Republicans are radical enough that that might attract a certain percentage of them. But I think that there's maybe a certain percentage even of Wisconsin Republicans uh, that won't be into it. Um, you know, you notice how they keep claiming they don't know what was in it. I, I just did what I was told um that's like kind of like a big like criminal defense right there and hey i wanted to give everybody a chance to call in if you got questions or comments this is a great time just hit that little button in the bottom right hand corner and by the way you know we read we read all of the stuff you guys put into our comment system oh I, we had a call in for a second stephanie you're welcome to call in uh anybody who wants to call in we'd love it just hit that little call in that dial button in the bottom right hand corner and let's all chat about what we've been seeing, because these hearings have been something else. I mean, to me, the most stunning thing that's happened is that they had to pause the hearings because they've gotten so many tips since, uh, you know, putting these things into the public eye that they've just got to reassess. And I got to tell you, as someone who's put together some very big deep dive investigations, it's so true. As soon as you publish your big deep dive, all of a sudden, all the tips come flying out of the woodwork. And you have more information that you know what to deal with, and then you have to write a big follow-up. Amanda, 
thank you so much for joining us tonight. Hey, how are you? Rockstar. Doing wonderful. Yeah, sorry. I great to hear from place. you. How are you? Thank you. I am doing great. I'm doing great. Um, settling into this new place, and it, I'm just really happy right now. Congratulations well, from, like, on there. that. Yeah. Con- congrats you. on that. Yeah, I think one thing that has really stood out to me more than anything else was the Arizona speaker on Tuesday when he corrected himself. I shouldn't have said overthrow. Oh, God, that was on your mind. Uh, exactly. That's I mean, a great it, catch right there. You did say today, I mean, I, I would say that uh, it was clear, and I don't use this language lightly. I never used the word traitor lightly or anything like that. Um, Trump was abusing the DOJ to try and throw a coup. He failed. But at every step, somehow, I don't know exactly how, that, that one guy, who, one person who needed to make the decision that would then lead to a coup, they didn't. And there were, it seems, dozens of potential uh, people that could have done that, and they just couldn't. They couldn't follow through with it. I don't know why. Um, but if they did, I, I don't, there'd be, I don't know what'd be going on right now. Um, if you were still in the white house, uh, you know, they keep on acting like there was going to be some kind of street fight with that. Um, what do you think? What do you think, Grant? What do you think? Uh, I'll tell you, man, these people are all up to no good. All up it is. to no good. But, but I mean, Bowers, uh, you know, like trying to catch himself, like, well, Oh, you know, it was overturning. Oh, well, it wasn't a coup. I mean, okay, it was just a political expression, right? I mean, these guys all know. They all know. <laughs> it was they organized and it was true. thought. They, you know, we one thing that we don't want to give them is we don't want to act like they were too stupid to pull it off. Because this is very thought out. Like, they, they thought about things to exploit the law. And, and basically, they're like, go ahead and investigate and I'll do the rest, is what Trump said. Go ahead and just just give me a letter. Give me some kind of document that I can go off of, and I'll do the rest. I mean, that is scary dictator-like stuff. That is Putin-esque. That is exactly his sort of playbook. This is He was willing to stay in power no matter what, and people just weren't willing to go along with it. Not everybody, but the people who did, Jason Miller, Stephen Miller, Kaylee McEnany— um, Kellyanne Conway, people who stood by his side through all the years and people who stayed quiet uh, after January 6th, even none of these people came forward. You know, none of these people actually spoke out like they, they, they had to be dragged in front of the committee that you, me and a couple other people had to lead a campaign to get in the first place. And not only that, but we tried to have that bipartisan commission and when you ask, I'll cite this real quick, but when you asked Kevin McCarthy to his face at a press conference, you know, why were you against it? He had you dragged out. You were dragged out by police. I mean, it, that's it, while he was talking about dictatorships, right? While he was talking about how that shouldn't happen in America. Uh, yeah, not only that, but, um, you know, now his members of his own party are upset with his decision to not only, uh, you know, not go along with the commission, but to flat out uh, boycott having any Republican representation on that committee. And we're seeing the effect of it. 
I mean, how clear are these hearings without a minority of Republican congressmen standing up and just slamming their shoes on the table for an hour at a time each each, each hearing? Um, thank goodness they decided to boycott these hearings because I think that their lack of participation sends a message that there's just literally nothing they can do to defend this kind of conduct. And frankly, nor should they. Now, I want to bring something up that just broke uh, right as we were uh, about to. Uh, this is crazy. Oh, yeah. Well, here's here's another one. Uh, the U.S. broadened its seditious conspiracy indictment of the Oath Keepers to include a former Republican congressional candidate named Jeremy Brown from Florida, uh, who is also a former special forces officer, and to align the indictment with its seditious conspiracy indictment against the Proud Boys and its former chairman, Enrique Tarrio. So, I mean, this has just been, you know, one bombshell. I mean, this would, you know, oh, a superseding seditious uh, conspiracy indictment, that would usually be like the big news of the day. Um, Instead, it's going to get buried along with, God, I mean, the the Supreme Court's decisions. I don't want to pivot there yet. I don't want to pivot there yet. But uh, so many other things. I want to read this tweet from Adam Kinzinger, though, so everybody can uh, hear it, which is that after seeing what we have presented with more to come on the January 6th committee, I want to say to my fellow, again, to my fellow Republicans, it it is never too late to tell the truth. Redemption is always possible. Well, 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 Grant, you know, it would have been great. It would have been great if somebody like yourself were looking into the Proud Boys years ago. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. That that was you. You were looking into them. I didn't even know what they were. And you're like, no, dude, this is a problem. And I was like, I don't know. I did my usual, like, I don't know, man. I don't know. You did the same thing with We Build the Wall. I don't know, man. I don't see how C. Bannon can be taken down. And so, like, what do you, what do you think is going to happen next? Like, with this and the, the broadening of the indictment. Like, what what we want to see is we want to see members of Congress. We want to see uh, Trump arrested. Like, obviously, and all his co-conspirators. But like, you know, it just feels like it's not going to happen that way. But like, this is just blatant crimes in front of this is. We have to prosecute him. Like we can't not. Thoughts? Oh gosh, I mean, if we don't prosecute Donald Trump for this, um, you know, pretty much every crime in America is going to be committed after that. I mean, people are just going to be like, well, you know, if someone could do what he's done, I could do anything, and and that's really the point. That's really the point, you know. And how many times did we see? Uh, spikes in crimes, you know, like spikes in hate crimes after things that Trump said, for example. Um, you know, people are watching, like the American people are watching. And so this this has just a very, very big impact. You know, I mean, the, the whole reason why he did all this is because while the Amer- American people were watching, Republicans in the Senate decided to give him a pardon that he didn't deserve. He just didn't deserve. So, I mean, this, this is so imperative, uh, you know, 
democracy presumes justice. You know, I don't think that there's any democratic government uh, that doesn't fight for justice as well. In other words, you know, protecting the people from those who are committing crimes. And I mean, I, mean, I, I, just, I just, oh, oh, oh. Ah, there we go. And, and, and I would say that, um, you know, it starts at the top. There's an old uh, Sicilian saying, uh, the fish rots from the head. And so if America is still rotten uh, with Trump, you know, sitting at the head like it was, uh, you know, it's going to be just, it, it can't get any better. Things are going to get worse. We, we simply have to take action. There's no alternative, in my opinion. Well, what do you think the, the chances of that happening in the next month? Because I'm getting kind of tired in regards to seeing everything. But I think we're going to have a break here, right? Like he said that there's not going to be another January 6th uh, hearing. Obviously, it's personal. It was happening down the street from my house. You know what I mean? Like, we all knew, like, getting check-ins from family of, like, hey, are you at the Capitol? You know what I mean? And it's just, like, you know what's going on, and people are getting ready for armed conflict to defend their neighborhoods. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was... There's stories of heroes that were obviously f friends of ours, like Officer Harry Dunn and, and people like that who, who didn't even know, like he was basically blinded at one point and he was fighting hand-to-hand -hand combat while being assaulted in many ways. And then he has to, you know, come back the next day, well, he shows back to come the next day at 6 a.m. Then you have the D.C. police officers like Fanon and others and, and people who stepped up and there were, you know, there's just so many different people who stepped up and it, it, I just, I don't understand how there's this back the blue people, like they act like they can actually support or act like they support anybody. Um, you know, it, it's just, it was a disturbing thing. And, and, you know, when I went down there on January 6th, I did the Larry David thing which I brought, and you know I do this uh, whenever I'm around MAGA people, is I bring the red hat in case I need to get out of there because it's like a cloak. Um, and I just uh, remember one of the staffers being like, you're not going to be able to get in the building. And I was like, oh, man, like I wanted to see like this whole thing about like these magical chests. I wanted to see what was going on here. And... Um, well, you're not going to be able to get in. Okay. And this is like in the morning time. So I went back and then it just all hell broke loose. And you could see it in real time. You could see it develop, but just like that go down and then friends who no longer are in Congress because they have, you know, I guess you can call it PTSD, night terrors. It, it's just... <laughs> This is like yeah. enough, you, you know, it's not, it's, it's like, uh, and the Republicans don't care. And that's what sociopaths do. I, I just, I don't understand. They talk about being Christian. I grew up Catholic. I don't know. You know, they always said, what would Jesus do? Not what they're doing on any terms. So, I mean, it, it's, it's really crazy to me to see all this nonsense. Um, but we have an important topic that we have to mention, and I hate to pivot to it this way, 
But again, returning to guns, Supreme Court struck down New York's handgun law. And here's the thing that everybody does not apparently know is New York Police Department Commissioner Keegan Sewell said, uh, the important thing to know today is that nothing changes. If you have a premise permit, it does not automatically convert to a carry permit. If you carry a gun illegally in New York City, you'll be arrested. Uh, Supreme Court ruling will cost more lives, American Medical Association says. Um, it's harmful and disturbing as a decision. Firearm violence is a public health crisis. As you, uh, our friend Dr. Sakran has said many, many times, overturning decades of reasonable firearm regulations will cost more lives. I mean, I, I just don't understand... Maybe, like, they can make it just muskets, because that would make a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, it sure would. I mean, what can you say? You know, the gun manufacturers have purchased uh, a, a better form of democracy than the rest of us, and and that's sad. It's sad, and it's just not how things are supposed to be. Uh, you know, and here's the end result. Um, you know, real experts have opined for a long time that there really is no right to own a firearm. It's really pretty much as, uh, you know, you might read in the Constitution that the state militias were, you know, permitted, but not, it doesn't say anywhere. Uh, individuals must be allowed to own handguns, every individual. And, you know, one of the greatest arguments that the, the historians write, and, and let me back up for a second, uh, Republicans all consider themselves originalists. Um, you know, they're textualists and originalists. That's the, the big conservative, the two big conservative schools of thought. But conservatives mean that, that textualism, if it's not in the text of what's said there, then it doesn't exist. You can't go outside of the text. And, and uh, originalism means, what did that text mean when it was enacted? In other words, the words of uh, the meaning of words can shift over time. So what did it mean when they wrote this? These are the two frameworks that the, the Federalist Society and conservative uh, judges have created to view the law. And they're both very reasonable, except that when the Supreme Court makes decisions like this, they go, well, we're not going to go with any text. And original meaning, uh, you know, we're going to find some meanings that maybe weren't there originally. And then they kind of just break all their own way of interpreting the law to come to an end result. And that's what happened in the, the big uh, Obamacare decision that, that John Roberts wrote that struck down the Medicaid expansion. Uh, the Medicaid expansion had very flimsy you know, a historical, a textual uh, basis. And I think that what they do with the guns is also along the same lines. And, um, you know, it's just the second amendment. If, if the framers really meant for the second amendment to, uh, to be a, a right to own a, a gun in your home, just imagine, would they have done that knowing that it applied to all free men, including the, the African slaves that were then freed that lived nearby them. The one concern they had was that there would be a slave rebellion when the constitution was enacted and the bill of rights was enacted. And those state militias 
are there to permit the state militias, the slave patrols. They're not there to create an individual right for owning a gun. And so all of this is just going to hurt us, and, and it's terrible that it's happening. We've got a call coming in. And by the way, um, oh, call, Sandra, please come on back. Call in. Call in. We do want callers. We want your calls. We want your, your comments. Um, hit that, that little telephone there and, and call in, and let's chat. Sandra, thanks for joining us on the report card. Go ahead and hit that unmute button. It's that little button that looks like a microphone on the bottom right. I never hit the unmute button. I'm oh, you, you hit it a couple of times. <laughs> Sandra, thanks for joining us. Oh, we lost nope. her. Maybe she'll come back. But um, yeah, the, no, the gun crisis in this country is out of control. It's a public health crisis, and we need to treat it as such. And and so I, I we've been over it tons of times. It's just not. It's not something that actually is going to be able to make a. They're not going to be able to do anything about anything with the same people in office, and I think we need Republicans, um, you know, for responsible gun ownership, that take a lead on a lot of these things, so that we can actually make uh, some changes. Because it's just arming teachers is not the way. Uh, obviously, fortifying uh, schools is one thing, but you know taking guns out of the equation is uh, probably the best way. Because if you, you, don't you want people to be as uh, responsible with those guns so that you're not, I, I would say that at this point, you know, you don't need an AR-17 to shoot a deer. Like you're not going to eat that deer. It's going to poison that deer. Oh yeah. And let's talk about that. The Uvalde, Texas police chief was put on administrative leave today. Um, you know, the state authorities have said that everything they did ran counter to training. And, you know, they found out that the door to the classroom where the children were being held was unlocked the entire time. And the cops just wouldn't go in and do anything about it. And I think that it's the ultimate illustration of why we need so much more gun reform now. Because, let's face it, there's no amount of good guys with guns, no amount, that are going to change things if you can't get the police officers armed with guns and trained, right, and paid and, you know, praised to do this and... They won't do it. If you can't get the cops to do it, then certainly it shouldn't be the job of a bunch of teachers. That's not what we hire teachers to do. It means you, something else needs to be done. Are you excited to start our new season of the Dworkin Report podcast coming up? Oh, my gosh, yes. We have some incredible guests. Oh, my God. I'm I'm uh, thrilled about it. And uh, I, I won't leak too much, but we do have – one of the most senior people that ever worked for Trump ever uh, as uh, to kick it off. And then we have uh, one of Melania's most senior people as well. Um, and they are very friendly to us nowadays, people who um, were not so friendly years ago for good reason, I guess. Well, hey, you know, Michael Cohen unblocked me on Twitter. That's pretty cool, right? That nice would be – 
one of the well I was going to ease them into it so that they could get but oh yeah. May, yeah, Michael Cohen is is uh, who we're interviewing next week and then um we have uh, one of Melania's senior people and then we have a couple other people that are former presidents and uh people who are former first ladies and then uh we have some uh, folks that will be uh that are members of Congress and some famous folks that uh, somehow became friends. I have no idea why, but maybe it has to do with our uh, activism or the main that we have growing on our heads. You know, we do have a nice quaff going, so that's that's well. Um, so I, I would say, as we wrap up here, um, you know, keep in mind this uh, this week we decided to do no guest grants on the road. Um, it's a little bit more difficult to have the producer on the road and do, you know, all the different things. But we already have four guests lined up for next week. Um, you know, one of the things I wanted to mention to everybody is it's uh, it's always uh, a tough thing to go through these hearings and see these uh, terrible things that have happened. But remember when we talked about how... Trump would we be paying for his mistakes and everything he's done for years? This is part of that. This is part of us having to recap it and uncover all these horrible things that he's done. This is just the beginning of it. This is not the end of it. So we need to make sure that we actually keep going on this path, as hard as it is. I mean, I know that it's disgusting and horrid. This is just the tip of these icebergs, and there's so many different icebergs. So we just need to keep going through it because if we don't, Go, uh, uncover all this stuff right now it will happen again and as uh, officer harry dunn said to us you know if it's not stopped if it's not uncovered and these people don't pay as a sort of legal price then there will be another insurrection and i truly believe that if not so, state level insurrections as well so you know it's it's funny you say that because uh you know, you mentioned our, I mean, it was Rappaport our first Twerkin reporter. He was like the first guest on the Twerkin report. I think he was, he was, I think he was the first I guest. I think he was the first guest. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that um, maybe it was the headline, but it was certainly my takeaway, right? Um, from, from what he was saying. And, uh, and, and basically what Rapp said was, we're going to be stuck cleaning up Trump's shit for years. That's verbatim what he said, yeah. Yeah, and here we are. Here we are. I mean, say what you want about rap. He might film your, your local Rite Aid getting robbed without doing anything about it except posting it, but he was absolutely correct about that. Absolutely 100% correct. No denying it. No denying it. And by the way, everybody who wants to call in, hit that little button in the bottom right-hand corner, that little phone-looking button if you want to call in and chat with us. Sandra, you're on deck. Go ahead and unmute yourself and we can chat. Just hit that little button in the bottom right-hand corner. It looks like a little microphone. It's a live show, folks. So, you know, we want to get some more calls. We love your calls. We love chatting with y'all. Lots uh, of messages. There. Can you hear me? Yeah. We can hear you, Sandra. Thanks for joining us tonight. Where are you calling from? Hi. I'm calling from Michigan. So you got a question or a comment for us? Yeah. 
Yes, what I want to know is on the gun reform, even though Congress passed the law, you know, we know they're passing it, they, they are passing the law and making it a little bit more easier for criminals to get the guns in their hands, even though the Supreme Court ruled against the New York's law, still with Congress passing that little bit of legislation, would that still help the people around the world, making it more difficult for criminals to get their hands on the guns and helping the mental illness people, keeping them away from the guns? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, thanks, Sandra. So um, let's talk about that because uh, Chris Murphy, the senator from uh, from Connecticut, uh, is one of the lead negotiators. Uh, you know, as, as everybody listening might remember, uh, he, uh, you know, he he was representing uh, Connecticut when the Sandy Hook massacre occurred, and he's a huge advocate for uh, you know. For, for gun safety. And um, he tweeted the framework. So I just want to go ahead and get that tweet with the framework. Um, so, so, I mean, today, actually, uh, the gun bill advanced over the filibuster by 65 to 34 vote. Uh, final passage is expected later today or tomorrow. Um, so, I mean, this is, you know, again, like we were saying, there's so much going on that like big news is just slipping through the, the uh, the news cycle here. Um, let me see here. So, um, and I'm, I'm sharing something from Fred Gutenberg. Uh, there's some real significant advances. First of all, it will facilitate national red flag laws. That was one of the big responses to uh, to what's it called? That, that was one of the big responses to Parkland. Okay, and. Uh, and, and, and that's a, a big advance because what it does is it lets people petition a court, to take guns away from people that are being unstable, that, that pose a threat. Um, so let me see. There's, uh, you know, advances, investments in mental health, um, which, by the way, America's entire mental health system was thrown in the trash in the 1980s and nothing was uh, put in to replace it. Right. Uh, they're restricting gun sales to potentially dangerous people like 18 to 21 year olds will have enhanced, uh, you know, background checks. There's a crackdown on straw purchases. It's going to clarify who has to, uh, you know, register as a federal arms dealer, which is going to expand who's running these background checks. Right. And it's also right. going to end the, uh, the boyfriend loophole. You know, there's a domestic right. violence law that says, you know, if you commit domestic violence, you can't own right. a gun, but it didn't apply to, to unmarried people. Um, so, you know, these, these are big, big, big advances. Um, right. Yeah. So, I mean, they're going to make a big difference. The, the Supreme right. Court law uh, decision today um, is archaic, and it's going to mostly impact the states that have good gun safety laws and not really so much the ones that have bad ones already. Um, and it's just, it's going to weaken their systems a little bit. Um, so, I mean, overall, you know, today's going to be a better day for gun reform than worse, but what the Supreme court is doing is trying to lay a groundwork to create stronger gun rights. 
And, and that's not what the American people want. And so, you know. Oh, I see. And yeah, I have one more question. Sure. What's your and question, I, Sandra? And I have one more question. Um, with the hearings that's going on, which has been bombshell, is, I mean, it's been really, really good. Do you think that it's going to change anybody's mind? We know that a lot is going on. Because, see, I, I am a, a woman that believes in God, so I take all my problems to God. But I love to hear other people's opinions about, you know, we know inflation is going, is, you know, high in the gas. But what we see in our democracy almost in turmoil, do you think it's going to change anybody's, anyone's mind at the ballot box, you know, as far as voting? Because they see where we at today. So how much is this hearing affecting, do you think, people's mind? That's a great question. Scott, why don't you go first? And then uh, I'll answer after. Sure. And uh, so I think that one of the ways that it's going to change things is people like Grant and I are developing ads from a lot of the things that they have presented as evidence to remind the American people in swing districts and in swing states uh, where we can pick up some Senate seats and House seats, uh, protecting the House and protecting the Senate, potentially expanding on it. Um, you know, we're, we're going to make sure that we present this evidence in the right format um, so that people are reminded of it. And I think that will help change some minds and change voter minds. Um, so a lot of the, the clips from this will be used and repurposed for campaign purposes. Um, and that's going to be, I think, really essential. Um, the direct uh, testimony and everything that's going on right now, I do not think is going to um, change a lot of minds. But I think people who, in, in regards to who are stuck with Trump, like I don't think it's going to make them leave Trump. Um, but people who who were always on the fence or independents, I think it does. I think it does change their minds on ever voting for him or considering voting for him ever again. Um, but again, I think the only thing that's going to really change minds is him in handcuffs. That's when people will really abandon him, and that's uh, that's the only way out. Grant. So um, you know, I think that it's definitely changing minds at the margins, and that's where elections are won and lost. Um, that's a big deal. You know, we're talking about, for example, Georgia flipped to Joe Biden by 11,780 votes, right? That's what Trump was looking for. 28,000 Republicans did not vote for a presidential candidate in 2020. They voted, but they left their presidential uh, choice blank. That is a winning margin right there. That is a margin. So when you're talking about this impacting the margins in the places where, you know, votes are 50-50, that's where this makes all the difference in the world. Now, that being said, Trump's not on the ballot this year, and so nobody's going to be voting for or against him necessarily. That's a different kind of problem, right? But the, the, the bottom line is, is that these hearings are going to break through because most of them are not being shown in prime time where the Fox propagandists and disinformation peddlers, uh, you know, went, where they're like keeping the audience occupied with lies 
you know, no commercials. We're just going to keep you watching us and we're not going to show it. Most of these things are being shown live on Fox during the daytime. And the daytime Fox audience is the audience I think that we actually want the most. And by doing it during the daytime, it kind of forces Fox to deal with it at night. You see that Trump is complaining about these hearings because there's no opposition. Well, guess what? That is because the facts are breaking through, showing his people, showing his appointees, showing the truest, diest, hardest loyalists, showing the Republicans that are, you know, the most conservative still pushing back on Trump's coup, uh, coup attempt. It's, it's making a difference. I agree. And it's going to keep on making a difference, but it's going to be a while until uh, we see some results. And by a while, I mean, maybe a few months, um, but, you know, with the rating of, of Jeffrey Clark's residence and um, seizures of cell phones and things like that, I think we're going to see some more actions in the in the coming months. Um, so everybody hold on tight and strap in because it's going to be a, a real crazy ride here. Um, I think that uh, we, we don't know what to expect next, but it's not going to be good for Trump and his uh, comrades. Oh, I agree. I think that, that the pace of things is just quickening so dramatically that we're going to start people uh, seeing people led away in handcuffs for committing these crimes. And that's what America needs to make sure that uh, our elections and our democracy are protected against the people that would destroy it. Well done, sir. Um, we will be back next week on Wednesday at 7 p.m. live, and we have wonderful guests lined up. Grant is again on the road this week. Uh, we also have the Dworkin Report. You can visit our website, dworkinreport.com, for more episodes of that, and we'll have our new season starting next week. Uh, Grant is the executive producer of that show, the showrunner with me, and uh, it is a wonderful podcast it is our mainstay and uh really looking forward to doing that again with you another season with grant um we're going to rock it out so anyways uh, thank you again for joining us tonight and uh, grant you want to take us home well everybody it's it's been a tremendous month for democracy but there's a long road ahead of us and next month we're going to finally see the rest of these hearings, including the violent extremists that Donald Trump summoned to the Capitol to overrun the grounds of the citadel of our democracy. And I think that, again, the revelation of these facts, it's almost like a truth commission, except that the prosecutions are ongoing. And these people need to be prosecuted. They just do because America's democracy will not be the same until they are all brought to justice. Thanks for joining us on the report card.